Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi, I'm Bex. And I'm Laura. And we're here to talk openly and honestly about miscarriage, stillbirth, and all pregnancy loss. We aim to smash the taboo surrounding these subjects and rebuild the topic in a way to support and educate women rather than isolate and shame them. Welcome to the worst girl gang ever. Go on Bex, you can do this one. I'll do it, I'll do this one. Okay. Yeah. Welcome to this week's episode of The Worst Girl Gang Ever. We are so lucky to be joined by Amy and Ryan Jackson. Those of you who follow us uh, closely, we'll know that we um, we were on a podcast episode recently of a different podcast called Still Parents Podcast, and Ryan was one of our lovely hosts. So thank you so much for joining us. No problem. Thanks for thanks for asking us to be part of yours. That's, That's all, right. all right. Well, we've we... been on the other side, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It's quite nice actually to not yeah. have to, uh, be messing around with gadgets and being. Yeah. Well, oh, I was going to say you and your gadgets. <laughs> We felt like absolute dickheads when after your podcast recording because we obviously it was on the it was live wasn't it it was and um you had a studio and all these all this like testing hang on should yeah. we do some testing but <laughs> testing. testing it was a lot of this <laughs> testing testing I'm not going to drop the C bomb though we got that in the <laughs> amazing uh, so anyway Amy you, you haven't been able to get a word in edgeways it's lovely to have you That's here too. oh is it yeah, yeah. standard. I know the feeling. I know, I, know, I know how it feels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so t- tell us a bit about yourselves. How did you how did you come, first of all, to be a part of the worst girl gang ever? Um, I think we so we've obviously been a um a registered charity for just coming up to 10 years now. Um, and we're continuously kind of signposting a lot of our clients and, and families that we support to other places that they can get support from kind of when we're not there. Mm. Um, and the worst girl gang was just one that had kind of popped up on my Instagram feed. Um, and I like to lock your posts and just like what you're doing. Um, and you kind of fit in, fit in nicely what we, with what we do as well. Mm. Um, so yeah, I just have been signposting a lot of our, um, families aren't you really? To- yeah, and, and sorry, your charity I should have mentioned is the Lily May foundation. Yeah. And how did that start? So um, we lost our daughter Lily in 2010 to Um, And we just found kind of back then there was absolutely, absolutely nothing out there um, locally for us. There was, a, there was a few kind of small pockets of stuff, but it was really hard to access it. And kind of what we did access didn't really fit us as a couple kind of thing. 
Um, so we slowly, a couple of years later, decided that we would start to do our own thing. Um, and, and the charity's kind of built up over the years um, from there, really. I mean, it's so needed because there there was nothing really out there at that time, was there? No, there was a... It, it was, was like the olden days of the yeah. baby loss community. <laughs> it was back in your... I'm very old. um there was a national charity and we did access them for some support and and we did meet some really good kind of close friends that were kind of going through it at the same time and that's where we discovered that's what helped us kind of just chatting to other people who were going through it um who could just really resonate with with what we were kind of feeling and thinking um but that was that was literally kind of about it really in terms of support yeah yeah, there was not much on social media at that time. No, no, nothing. And when you say about um, people who could like relate to what you were going through, that's really, really hard. And we've spoken lots about how it's really only people who have been through it who who can truly understand. Yeah. And yeah. Th- it's only really those people who can provide you with the comfort and reassurance and validation that you need. And it's often people on the internet who know your innermost thoughts more than those people around you like your close family and friends the internet has been that and social media has been amazing for providing this kind of support so I mean you guys were probably like one of the first people to to start up back then we um yeah yeah, so that there really wasn't and it was kind of um I don't think Instagram was even. No, thing. I think it was Facebook, kind of like before Facebook had only been around for. Well, I think Facebook really kicked off, didn't it, in about two thousand six, two thousand seven, and I yeah. think people were still getting sort of used to being able to use yeah. social media as a tool. Yeah, we were all on still on MySpace with Tom. Yeah, MySpace, yeah, yeah or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I think the thing which which uh, we sort of. Uh, probably another reason why we started the charity was because yes we had support from from um sands and we went to a local sands group um but it was very structured it was very structured and mm-hmm. set in their way and i think for us i mean i don't know if you've ever been put in the situation but we've got like one of those nervous laughs mm-hmm. where if you get put somewhere <laughs> if you get put somewhere where everything's so serious but yeah. you're not for me it's it just didn't suit it just us didn't suit us i'm not surprised it didn't suit you if you were rocking up to baby loss groups and laughing i mean you must have been the most unwelcome attendee no i don't mean it's that silent time where people assume that every, that it's like a one size fits all yeah and it's not a one size fits all because you know you have to and I suppose coming from a teaching background both of us as well is that you know everybody's different and you have to differentiate your support you know channels your support programs everything like that because like I say not one size does fit all and I think what what was really apparent back then was that it was very much a one size fits all approach that then didn't suit everybody's needs yeah we talk about that a lot, that one size fits all approach, because we said before, like, even if two people have an identical experience, it's still going to be completely different because yeah. of their upbringing, their education, yeah. their the way they view life, you know, their ideas, aspirations, their career, everything like that thrown into the mix will make the experiences 
completely different yeah. and it is yeah. i i think personally i think that one size fits all approach that is so damaging and so dangerous because we yeah. all assume we yeah. all assume that it's going to you know even people within the baby loss community assume that their experience is going to be the same as someone else's experience yeah. when it's not yeah. it, it makes it makes the support look it needs to make the support look different for every individual yeah. and then people start questioning themselves about and their comparing. and comparing yeah. to other yeah. people why am i not we get a lot Fairly of families that are like that. Oh, so and so was doing this at this point. Why aren't I feeling like that? Why yeah. do this now? And it's kind of like, oh no, you need to erase completely, erase that, and just focus on yourself. Yeah. What does the Lily Mo Foundation do? What do you say you set up after? So we- yeah, so we set up and initially we just set up providing memory boxes. So we'd had, again, we'd had a, a memory box from hospital, but it was very simple. It didn't really fit us as a family, so we spent a lot of time in between because we. We found out Lily's heart had stopped on a Friday and then I was sent home and brought back in on the Sunday to be induced. So that weekend, um, we kind of spent it kind of thinking about, oh, what do we want? What do we want to get? We want to get two teddies, we want to get this. And so, and it, and it was horrible. It was like sending my mum to mother care to, to buy an outfit oh, for her was just horrendous. Oh. Um, so there's a lot of things that we thought, actually, do you know what? If they were in this box as well then it would make it a lot easier for people in the long run. So we, to begin with, we just started doing that as a bit of, yeah. a, bit of a distraction as well, really, just something to, to do because we were both off work um, and supplying them to our local hospitals. And then again, it kind of grew from there um, with the support in terms of kind of what we were then accessing. It was kind of like, oh, this support is offered, but actually we could do this a bit differently. We're not taking it away from that support because some people might really gain from that support, but we yeah. want to offer something different yeah um so we did the support meetings yeah even if it was something down to you know moving from a a a room where you're having a tea and coffee and moving it to a pub where you could have a drink instead and I'm not advocating obviously (laughs) pissed or anything (laughs) like that but what I'm trying to say is that it that helped us bring in more men yeah for for Mm, one because they didn't feel they didn't feel like they were under going to scrutiny and, and stuff like that constantly. No. And they didn't feel like it was a support meeting. They felt like it was more of a social. Yeah, just come for a mm. chat, come for a drink. Which is so important because I think that's that's exactly, exactly how we felt when we started The Worst Girl Gang Ever is that all the support that we could find and was so information led and so sort of we used to call it lilac and feathers. You know, it was mm-hmm. very much like oh whereas we just wanted to be angry and we wanted to give people the space to be angry and And swear like this is fucking shit Mm. and because laugh as well and laugh because you don't cease to have a humor or you don't cease to you know be wicked sometimes that's what i meant when i said about the groups it was Mm. it like whilst obviously it suits some people it doesn't suit everybody Mm. and that's why we we did start our own group in, in that laugh. respect and the nervous laugh. And the, yeah. I, I just wanted to stand up and, and just shout, you know, what fucking, this is, this is, what, this, this is just horrendous. What yeah. We're all sitting here and, and we're all solemn and yes, we're upset and yes, you know, we've been through a tragedy, but we don't have to live 24 seven in that moment, if that makes sense. Mm, and it yeah. almost felt like it, it was, you had, to, you had, had to, to do it. You had to turn the switch on when yeah. you walked in there and then you turn the switch off when you walked out. And it yeah. doesn't work like I that. Did. And we got removed to the back room. Oh, yeah, we got removed jolly. to the back room. Yeah, <laughs> The back room. It's like being sent to your bedroom as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> Vinty Jolly. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we put people off and I'm like, no. Did you get anyone sent what, there Hang on, you? what, do you, what did you, you put people off of doing? What, you put people we off what? If we, were, we were too happy and, I, and I, everyone who had ever met us said no. Every time we met you, we just thought, bloody hell, at least we know there's hope. At least we know yeah, we will yeah, be yeah. able to laugh again. We will be able to at this point. Yes, okay, it's horrendous when you first go, but seeing us and seeing that actually you'd kind of rebuilt your lives or were rebuilding them and mm. yes it was shit but at the same time you could still have a laugh and kind of swing between um just gave people hope rather than yeah being I, yeah I think I think feathers it's so yeah it's so um important for people to remember as well if you're listening to this and you're having a little giggle I hope you're having a little giggle, but it's so important to remember that that doesn't mean that you've forgotten about your baby and it doesn't mean that, that the, the heartbreak is any less or, or that you're getting over it or anything yeah. like that. You know, I think, I think we hold this, this fear that when we start to laugh and smile again, it means that we're moving on, but you don't, you move forward, right? Because you have yeah. to move forward because that's life, but you don't yeah. move on. And it doesn't mean that you're forgetting or getting over or doing your baby any kind of injustice it's it's a balance it's it's got to be a balance of grieving but at the same time being able to have that distraction and just time for your brain to switch off yeah grief side is so draining and so exhausting you need this as a bit of a an uplift also as well I mean like you know Lily would be 12 she would have been 12 in February Uh, so I think about my eldest son, when he was 12, what would he want? He would want his mum and dad to be happy, you know, gets a bollocking every now and then for when he's naughty. But Every now and then. Yeah. But he <laughs> he would want, they would want us to be happy. They, they wouldn't want you to just be depressed, like permanently depressed and living your life um, without moving forward. And it, it, you're right, it's not moving on, it's moving forward. Yeah. And, and, I don't think embracing is the right word, but it becomes part of your life. Yeah. And it, it, it's rebuilding, it shapes your future, it? doesn't it? You have to rebuild your life with them included and with your your experience. And you're on this journey now for life, unfortunately, but it's it can be done. It can kind of all be interweaved. Yeah. Mm. So other than the, um, obviously, setting up the charity, was it a charity s- s- straight away? No, no. Um, we raised money for we, we yeah, raised money for Sands money. actually. Oh, it got you. Foundation in in her name, but yeah. we gave the money to Sands, and then okay. found years, like right? yeah, a couple of, after a couple of years, there was money that we wanted to put into various hospitals within the Midlands, and because it had gone through international Sands, the sort of red tape and hurdles that you got had you. to jump over to get money directed was very difficult. So. Um, and that was just because of the way, you know, they ran things. I'm not saying it was right or wrong, but we just then decided that we could be transparent about the money that we were raising because that's what we found that when people are giving you money, they want to know where the money's going to. Yeah. Mm. And we were kept saying, oh, you know, it's gone to Sands, but then we had no tangible sort of thing to to show for yeah. it. Yeah, what's it being used for? Research, yeah. support? Um, yeah. Yeah. So we that's when we then decided to um go for charity status ourselves and then be able to be transparent and direct the money into the the hospitals and the the support services locally that we um that we wanted it to go to. Yeah. That's great. So you you obviously that kept you busy and yeah. and <laughs> kept your mind 
mine's focused on on something else but what what happened after you lost Lily with like family making what did you leave it some time before you tried again no no <laughs> we did what they I, yeah <laughs> I was desperate I literally yeah. if, you, if you could have said to me when I walked out of hospital right you can you can try it again I would have definitely um so we did try we left it a couple of months and we tried again um, and I had a an early miscarriage then so I did get pregnant three months later um and had an early miscarriage straight away um and then we kind of said right this this is because I'd got really obsessed with literally that's all I wanted to do try yeah I think lots of people listening to this would definitely be able to relate yeah yeah um we just and then we we just kind of said right let's have a switch off we went on holiday let's just see what happens it wasn't the drunkest i'd ever got in my life (laughs) the knee and she was playing knockdoor running portugal yeah it wasn't a good one (laughs) 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 no wonder you were bad from all the bloody support groups (laughs) um and then we kind of had a bit of a switch off and and then got pregnant again so it's about six months after losing lily i got pregnant again with freddie um who is 10 10 11 yeah Um, and how was how was that pregnancy horrific i was literally in a corner at every given moment Um, were you looked after a little like monitored a bit more closely so we were really lucky our bereavement midwife that we had with lily um they are very good at supporting you through next pregnancy as well so as soon as we were pregnant we kind of like went under their wing again and they arranged kind of everything from early scans through to growth scans through to basically at the end of it they were like if you, if you want to rock up here 24 7 you can so mm-hmm. I was there like a crazed lunatic every morning hi me just wanted to me please um but like I say to all my my ladies that come in it's whatever gets you through that pregnancy you've got to just go with it no matter yeah. what even if you think, oh God, I'm going crazy or anyone's going to think I'm crazy. If it gets you through that pregnancy, then. It doesn't matter what anyone else thinks, does it? Absolutely doesn't matter. So I think that's where as a society, we have people that worry too much about what others think of us. Yeah, Mm. definitely. When it comes down to things like baby loss, um, I think right at the start, I went through a phase of worrying what people were thinking of our situation or us as individuals um, you know, I lost quite a few friends uh, through it because I just couldn't. I had no time for idiots that just yeah. couldn't be. You know, e- even just remembering a birthday or or something like that was where it almost came across as though it was too hard for them to to sort of accept. And I think that you know, if there was a message to give, is is to not is to not overthink that people mm. are you know, what people are thinking about you and what people are thinking about the situation you're in because ultimately nobody understands that situation unless you're in it yourself. Mm. Um, And you can worry all you like, but actually what's it going to do? It's not going to do anything. It's just going to make you 10 times worse. Yeah, I think people, when you're in, you're the only one that's in your life 24-7 and and other people dip in and out. But if you're starting to do the, do things for the people that dip in and out is I mean that doesn't it doesn't make sense does it you, you need to be doing everything for the one that's been there that that's there all the time yeah. and that's you so yeah also when you say don't worry about what th- people are thinking of you I think that extends to getting checked at the like maternity assessment unit and things like mm. that as well uh 
personally, I, I went there a lot and I never once had the slightest little bit of what the hell are you doing here there was no huffing there was no sighing every single time it was met with you know professionalism and empathy um it was fantastic so just don't want anyone to be discouraged from getting that medical help if they feel like they need it even if they think it's unreasonable and it's just anxiety or whatever Um, but anxiety is reasonable this is you know we think it doesn't matter if you you know, this whole perception that we have that your mental health, if you're an anxious person, that that doesn't matter. It is just as important as putting your putting your mental health at ease, putting your anxieties at ease is just as important as it is to find out that your baby's still doing okay. They're 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 the same thing. They are the same level of, of importance. It's yeah. I think mental health is is disregarded when it should absolutely shouldn't be. Yeah. I always say to a lot of my ladies as well that this isn't an irrational fear or an irrational anxiety that you've suddenly decided, oh. I'm going, to, I'm going to be worried this time. This has come off the back of all of our experiences mm. and it's so understandable. So, yeah, go in if you need to. And, and actually, they're there. It's that people go, oh, I don't want to bother them or I don't want to, they could be seeing someone else. I'm like, but they're there working anyway. They haven't just got out of bed just to see you. They're yeah. there. You need to just use them. And like you said, just not care whether you're, you're going in every day or twice a day. If you need to go in and it's helping you, then, yeah, just crack on. Yeah. paying off national insurance anyway. So it's yeah. like, well, you know, that's what it's there for, isn't it? Yeah. So, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, your pregnancy with Freddie, you said. Yeah. So, I mean, you'd not only had a stillbirth, but you'd also had an early miscarriage. So you must have just been, there was no sort of sense of relief at all in that whole pregnancy no right from the start yeah I think and I think you you do trick yourself that you kind of think oh I'll be able to manage that bit or that bit's going to be like an early bit once I'm over that then I'll I'll be okay till the end or whatever and you you quickly realize that actually there's no easy bit in it I quite often get girls who kind of if they've lost at 20 weeks or something go if I could just get past that bit then I'll be okay and then they get to that and then they go Oh, it hasn't just erased everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it it was a long pregnancy. It felt about twenty seven years, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> what were your main ways to cope with it? What what would you advise others going through pregnancy after loss? Rock in the corner. <laughs> no, I I was very good. Well, no, I wasn't. He was very good at telling me. I'd be like, oh, I'd, I'd quite often sit on things and be like, oh, I haven't felt many movements today, but I'll just wait a bit. I'll just wait a bit. And then he'd be like, well, why are you even, why are we waiting? Like, we'll just go in now. Um, and I wish in, in subsequent pregnancies, we did get better at just going in if there, mm. if there was an issue. Um, but I wish that we had just yeah. literally kind of, I'd, I'd had that mindset of, like if I'm worried, I'm going in, or if I don't feel right, I'm going in, or I'm going to ask for this, I'm going to push for that. Yeah. So I would just say to everyone that, yeah, you've got to do exactly what makes you feel right and not worry about what friends think, what family members think, what yeah. medical people think. Just do what you feel makes think you comfortable. One one thing that I used to do was, I think Amy's sort of weekend was always – I don't mean like Saturday, Sunday, but the end of the you know week of pregnancy fell sort of midweek. I think it was like a Wednesday or something. Okay. So the way I looked at it was that you get to Wednesday and then you had a couple of days to the weekend. And because you were naturally busy over the weekend, it seemed like the time was going a little bit quicker. Mm-hmm. So then you'd only have a couple of days until your next week, if you like. And I used to look at all these websites where you could look at 
you know, what size it is. Yeah, and yeah. things like that. So I, yeah. I was aware of what was going on at the same time. Um, but then, yeah, also, you know, not literally, but kicking Amy up the arse if, if there were things <laughs> where she would say something where there hadn't been many movements or there was something, it would be a case of, no, come on, we're going sort of thing. Um, I'm glad that you clarified that that wasn't literally. <laughs> yeah, you have to be careful nowadays, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> and I think that was the good thing in terms of hospital putting in appointments. We we literally worked to our next appointment. So yeah. Yeah. I couldn't even, like people would say, oh, when's your due date? And I'd be like, oh, I'm, I can't even think about that. I couldn't tell you that because that just felt so out of reach. Yeah. I could only work kind of appointment to appointment. So I'd be like, oh, I don't know, but I've got a scan in two weeks' time and I'll, I'll get to that bit. Yeah. And then we'll reevaluate and then we'll think about the next appointment. And Setting so it's all goals. little chunks. Yeah, wasn't little it? chunks. It is, it's like yeah. little working down to the day, even if, you know, if you're re- this, those first few weeks of, of pregnancy after loss are so long. But if you're working down to the day mm. and you're doing what Laura always recommends and controlling the controllables, every time you put your head down on that pillow, it's an achievement, isn't it? You've got mm-hmm. through that day. You've been able to do what you can to support yourself in pregnancy. You've taken your vitamins. You've eaten healthily. Yeah. You're getting a decent night's sleep. You've drunk enough water that is an achievement and yeah I think it's really important what you say is if you're listening to this and you are you know struggling with the anxiety of pregnancy after loss just just break it down Mm. don't think about don't think about three weeks time don't think about next week just think about the day think about getting your head down tonight starting again tomorrow and then working it down into the day for the next few days yeah so tell us a bit about how you coped as a couple were there times when you were on different pages with grief or hope or were you always aligned? We're never oh, aligned. Never aligned. <laughs> never aligned. <laughs> I saw you both. You started both to smile Laughing. at the same point. Then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Shall, shall I let Amy tell you her version and then I'll <laughs> yeah. the real one? Yeah. So, um, no, we were on, especially like right from the beginning, um, we came out of hospital, he dropped me at my mum's and he went straight up to our village to start fundraising. So he wanted to collect prizes. He was doing a golf day. He was on the, yeah, I'm just going to completely distract myself and I'm going to do a golf day and I'm going to fundraise and I'm not going to think about it. So I was like an emotional, just sobbing wreck. And he was so straight away, literally, like you say, it was, we were worlds apart. Um, you went back to work quite quickly. I didn't. Um, and I, I really struggled in terms of, I thought he was doing much better. I couldn't cope with the fact that why am I here like sobbing on the floor every day and you're going to work, you're doing this, you're doing that. Um, And I think that caused even more issues almost because we were on a different page. And I just thought, no, I didn't, I knew it. I knew he cared, but when you're in that position and the, the person that you think is going through it exactly the same, um, mm. isn't responding in the same way as you. Again, it's that kind of like, well, why why aren't I like that? Why can't I do that? Mm. <laughs> no, I wouldn't disagree with that. I would, uh, <laughs> that was right, obviously right from the start. And I, I think I had, I think it was just over six weeks off work and I was teaching at the time. And I was actually in my NQT year as well, which was- six weeks off? It is, because we, we did the garden. I had six weeks off work. <laughs> I did. And then I went back to work. I think it was about 10 days before the Easter holiday. So I knew that I'd got another two weeks coming up and, and what mm. happened. Um, but then it sort of, I think it really hit me about a year, 
a year later after her first birthday. It really, yeah. really hit me hard. Um, I had a panic attack one evening and, um, yeah, just it was the lack of control sort of thing. Um, I, I'd always had a, a like a slight phobia of uh, sickness and vomiting. And there was one evening where I, I started to feel quite ill. And because of my underlying, which I wasn't aware of at the time, sort of understanding of my lack of control over situations, um, it made me a lot worse than, than I actually was. Um, and yeah, ended up with panic attacks, ended up on medication and all that sort of stuff. And I think that was, I mean, I don't know what Amy would say. I think, I think Amy probably reacted horrendously to start with towards me, but then very quickly realized, actually, this is delayed. It's not something that I can, could stop, shall we say. It was something that was very delayed. And then I had some more time off work, um, but I also think being in the, the type of school that I was in, which was a really quite difficult school in the middle of three very, very tough council estates in South Birmingham, was that a lot of the kids didn't give a shit, mm. not about my situation, but just in general. Yeah. And my sort of um, response to that was that they just they didn't understand that they had a chance, they had yeah. an opportunity to do something in life. And all they were doing was pissing around in a lesson or getting themselves into trouble outside of school and stuff. And my love for teaching very, very quickly went because I just had no time for for anyone that just didn't give a toss, basically. And were you so so when this happened, were you, Amy, were you pregnant with Freddie? Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, you were. Yeah. yeah. So that must have put another strain on on, you know, having a kind of that that. Uh, you know, I can't think of the right word, but like difficulty in your relationship whilst being yeah. having the anxiety and the grief that you're still managing. Yeah. So how did you how did you get back on track as a couple? I take it you are back on track. <laughs> as we said, we've never been on track. <laughs> um, I think it took a long time and we we spent many years kind of almost doing a bit of a cycle of we put a little bit of help in. We think it was okay. It would kind of go swimmingly for a little bit. And then maybe birthday would crop up or winter or something like that. Um, mm. And we'd all kind of fall apart again. And this probably went on for quite a period of time until Nobed here realised that I actually needed some proper help. Um, and I think when you finally admitted that, and actually he finally went for some um, person-centred counselling, was it? What did she do? Should we just call it by its proper name? I, I did some it was I just saw a, a basically a psychiatrist and did some psychotherapy okay. work around okay. sort of um anxieties and and being able to manage it all. Ve- very similar to sort of like CBT, but not okay. CBT, if yeah. that makes sense. There's it was, a lot of different things mixed in, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. So like triggers and things like that, how to handle Yeah, things like that and how to deal with with things like that and a lot of it was around myself as well and looking mm-hmm. at myself just like in the mirror or mm-hmm. you know, not not liking myself or not liking what I'd become or, you know, I, I put a lot of blame on myself. There was a lot yeah. of um, sort of not being able to control what had happened um, and then almost going the polar opposite, trying to be 
too right. much in yeah. control of things. Yeah, I think that's a common theme for for men with with this kind of grief is that they they feel sort of such responsibility to have everything under control, and it's just men men normally fix things and they they sort of not control but but they 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 manage stuff don't they and and when this is something that's completely out of your control Mm. sort of a bit lost yeah and they can't fix it and they can't Mm. use all their normal and then you feel shit about yourself because you can't do it yeah and did you Ryan at this point did you know that your sort of that these feelings that you were having were about did you know that it was your unresolved grief with Lily um, didn't know it was like unresolved grief because I don't I don't think it was solely the grief right I think there was, there was a, a lot a, just them. a lot of stuff really that had just I don't know built up over the years or things that had maybe never been dealt with when I was a kid or you know things okay. like that and I, I mean I'm not talking you know like serious stuff as in you know like abuse and that sort of stuff because it was never that sort of deep but it was just things that doesn't have I mean, to be does it no it doesn't my, have my, to be the worst parents. things that change your life and make you feel and think in, in yeah. a way that makes life difficult yeah my parents got divorced when I was 14 and I don't think that was ever dealt with at the time mm. um and I think it was uh, the way it was explained by the lady that I saw was almost like that rolling snowball down a hill and it just gets mm. bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and, and yeah, it was like everything more layers yeah yeah and, and I think, like you say, how do you manage? You, you just keep going when you've got a young family as well. It's it's twenty four seven practical physical stuff, isn't it? So you almost just keep going, going, going. You don't have time to no. assess. We we talk about this a lot with mis miscarriage. Like when you're physically going through that trauma and you're bleeding yeah. and you're in pain and stuff, you don't even have the capacity or the the the, no. the time or the you know the room to start thinking emotionally no. until all that physical stuff is out of the way. And I completely appreciate what you're saying, like. You had a young family, you're dealing with the grief, you've never stopped just going. And no. sometimes I think we're all in danger of just going and going and going and going and going. And then you suddenly stop and you don't actually know who you are or what you're doing anymore. And that's actually a really frightening thing, I think. Yeah. I get a lot of our a lot of families, one of the other things that we've we've since done um is we we do one-to-one support now as well, because I I retrained. Um and one of the things I quite often say to, to families is that. I get a lot of them that come back when if they've, if they've had a subsequent pregnancy um, generally when, when baby's about six months old and they come back and they're like, they can't understand why they feel so bad or this has cropped up and stuff. And it's kind of like that. Well, actually we've, we've put grief on pause or we've had to put grief on hold because of the pregnancy again and how stressful that was and then dealing with a newborn. And so it's so Mm. common that all these things come back again. Mm. Um, I think when we spoke to Elle Wright from Feather in the Empty Nest, she said that something really interesting that her, her grief, so she lost her little boy, Teddy. And then when she had Olivia, every milestone that she reached with Olivia should have been like so amazing but yeah. actually it was there was this like cloud of grief over it yeah. because it was yeah. she was reminding her on the stuff that she'd missed out on yeah. with Teddy and I think when like you know four six eight months old they're really babies are really starting to do lots of things and I think that just brings it you know smack bang to the forefront yeah. that you should have done this before and yeah. you should have you should have been able to experience these things yeah. last time I think I think people forget, don't they? They well, they forget really quickly what you've been through anyway. But then when you go through another pregnancy again, it's that kind of like, 
brilliant we can kind of pull up. we haven't yeah. got to go there you're and better now comes, again it's it's like you're saying they go oh everything's fixed but actually they don't realize that a new baby just brings a, a shitload of new emotions and, and different memory yeah. milestones that you've got to deal with that haven't even kind of popped up before yeah definitely so oh, tell I always us- think how luck sorry I just oh, always think how lucky people are to have never had to experience any of this oh yeah 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 <laughs> right yeah like amazing lucky them anyway (laughs) yeah I had obviously I had I had pregnancies before loss Mm -hmm. and that it just it they seem like a different life it was just a different you know that the I feel stupid now having ever been so naive I know I I count myself so incredibly lucky that I did have that and in fact my third baby I had quite a lot of bleeding in the first few weeks of pregnancy I'm just absolutely terrified of of bad news and then you know she was born and then in the pregnancy where I lost the baby I didn't have any bleeding or you know it was a complete miss 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 missed miscarriage but no pain or bleeding whatsoever and just even that like it just doesn't make sense in your head and you can't you can't overthink it because it never will make sense when you have all this these kind of feelings that don't work alongside each other they're all valid and they're all there and you just Mm. need to kind of find some way to manage them I think that's the biggest thing is people try and we try and make sense of everything because that's how we're brought up isn't it you do this this happens and baby loss nothing nothing makes sense doesn't make sense no I just posted um reposted something on our stories earlier that says um it's okay to feel like your loss is the worst loss in the world it is the worst loss in your world yeah so true isn't it And again, that comes back to people comparing. They go, oh, well, I, I don't mm. want to say that because they've had worse. Or And at the end of the yeah, day, exactly. it doesn't matter. This is horrific for you. It doesn't matter about anybody else. It's what you're dealing with. And you've got to go with what, what you're dealing with. Mm. So does the Lily May Foundation um, support people with all types of baby loss? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we see we see people right through from, yeah, early, early loss all the way through to neonatal to medical um, terminations we will support anybody because yeah sadly we know that they're all all losses are valid and it's about that individual and what they're going through and what support they need so yes we will see absolutely and how can people find you or find out more about you um so we're on we're on facebook um so it's just the lily may foundation and instagram as well which is lily may 0702 uh, 10 which is a date of birth mm. um we've also obviously got the podcast which is at still parents podcast um we're on twitter as well to be honest if you just google the lily may foundation it, it comes up pretty much right at the top um so yeah there's lots of different ways of getting in contact brilliant Wonderful. and just going back to your podcast so that came so it's you and two other dads yeah, so it's myself and Matt. So Matt is a bereaved dad who's had support through, sorry, who had support through the charity with mm-hmm. his wife. Um, he's now six years, well, coming up to six years, sorry, since they lost their daughter, Callie. Um, and Dan is just a, a friend of ours who is a, is a radio presenter. Um, so he, he used to work for Capital and, and Galaxy Radio and, and the local radio stations. And we, the reason we asked him really was because of the, the sort of professional 
aspects of things and being able to produce it all and and host keeping, it and keeping you on top keeping us on top are you saying ours isn't professional not at all no but it was topic though yeah like, i don't know because we had the opportunity as well to use a studio it was about using the, the equipment as well and, and knowing how to use all the equipment and stuff so it's just about a bunch of knobs right basically yeah it's a night away from the missuses. Missuses? The missuses? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Although I ended up in hospital last week from that podcast studio. So Why? Um, so I don't know what you could actually see from, from the camera, but there's, there's um, <laughs> oh see the cameras that we have on us are on like a concertina spring. So they come from a... <laughs> um, like a rack above, above our heads. And as I yeah. was moving one of the cameras, the spring snapped and uh, trapped my trapped my two fingers in in the spring oh my god that sounds horrendous and we still got your fingers well oh I, amy's like shaking her head like luckily oh, my did you belong in a and luckily freddie was with freddie yeah. was with me i got Freddy the phone call and i was basically like if you don't need surgery you better you what you're wasting my time this is going to be a problem <laughs> but yeah i ended up with three stitches in my finger so. oh man it just shows um that you all you need really is a headset and a laptop. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, no <laughs> injuries occurring here. Not going to get the injuries with that, are you? <laughs> uh, he's swearing us now, listeners. He's swearing. <laughs> oh, guys, it's been lovely chatting to you. Yeah, thank you so thank much you. for coming. And, no problem. Um, and good luck with everything. And you know, if we good can work. Do, if we can do anything to support you, that would be fab. Just let us know. And um, yeah, keep up all of everything that you're doing. You guys Excellent. too. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for Amazing. having us. No problem. Enjoy the rest of your day. And you. Take Bye. care, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. And please, please, when you have a second, rate us, review us, and share us. And let's get this taboo smashed. See you next week. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. <laughs> to be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.